I just want to uh, remind all of us here that, alhamdulillah, past couple of weeks ago, we started trying to make uh, uh, this environment of the tafsir session a little bit more intimate for all those who, are, who have a habit of attending. And uh, wanted to make sure that we all can be part of a, 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 get a classroom feel so we can register for it. And then that way you can share feedback if there's polls asked. If you have questions, you can also uh, anonymously or with your email ask things related to the tafsir. So uh, I request all those who have already uh, registered, um, there'll be a check-in. There'll be a uh, clipboard that'll be passed around, so you can just check in, inshallah. And then those who are coming here tonight first time and who have not registered, if you can just take a minute, please, and in the lobby, just um, do register there. That would appreciate that, inshallah. The goal, one of the other goals I've had is that, you know, people, we love to um, be appreciated and, and acknowledged when we're there and to also feel missed when we're not there. But when you have a continuous group of people every single week in and out coming through, and this is what I've noticed, I have always a good group of brothers and sisters coming, but there's always change. They're not the same group of people. Um, and we want to make sure that we can continue to grow, but at the same time, those who've come once, that they can continue to be encouraged to come as well. So um, I hope one day we can reach at a level where you can receive a personalized message, inshallah, when you're not present, a reminder that we missed you today. Because we do miss our, our attendees and do miss our students when they are not present. And the biggest um, uh, ingredient, one of the biggest ingredients for barakah in any ilm is, is consistency. If we're consistent with even something simple and small, it will eventually lead up to something great. Um, but if we are one off, you know, a couple weeks we attend one program, then the next two, three months we disappear. And this type of inconsistency in any type of work of deen will not allow us to grow. It may seem like we're growing, we're taking two steps ahead, three steps back. Two steps ahead, three steps back. Net loss over time. Doesn't really get us anywhere. So we should all make niyyah inshallah for istiqamah. Take, take hold to one program. We're not saying attend 10 programs a week or 10 programs a month. Take a couple of programs that you can, uh, maybe a program a week, and say, okay, this is inshallah something I am going to attend with my family every single week, no matter what. Snow, sleet, sunshine. In all states, I will not give this up. And that level of istiqamah is such that even if it's a 20-minute program, half-hour program, you will gain great ilm, nur of ilm, closeness to Allah Azza wa Jal through that istiqamah. The most beloved actions in the eyes of Allah are those that are done on a continuous basis, even if they are maybe a small amount, or it might be minute. But done continuously, it can give you something. Our teachers have taught us that one class, one day of class that a student misses, he is deprived of barakah for the next 40 days. For the next 40 days. This is something that they ingrained within us. They say, no matter what happens, never ever miss class. And, uh, and you see that. I, see that to the, I tell this to the full-time students. Those who have who missed one, I say, okay, that's it. You miss one, shaitan will tell you, now you've missed already one. It's okay, you can miss a second one and a third one. Before you know it, you're missing one, one day a week. And then, subhanAllah, a whole year goes by, you've missed a whole, you know, three weeks worth of ilm. How is that barakah going to come in there? So, you know, especially with the winter coming up for our full-time students, it's important to remember that in no case should we miss class, uh, you know, unless it is an extreme situation where, you know, we, there is absolutely, we have a contagious disease. Fine. We've been taught that even if you are throwing up, you have to go to the bathroom regularly, come to class. The bathrooms are available. You can sit in the back of the classroom. But don't miss class. Because what you will be deprived of is barakah. And barakah cannot be quantified. Barakah cannot be felt, you know, with your hands. But it is one of the most powerful things that we have. 
Someone recently told me that when a scholar was telling Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, he told him that uh, Imam Siraj was saying this. He said that you need to start thinking like a Muslim or you know, Muslim, you need, we, we need to have a Muslim thinking. He said, what's a Muslim's thinking? He said, a Muslim, the difference between a Muslim and a kafir, a Muslim and a disbeliever is a Muslim believes in barakah. Well, non-Muslims don't have that concept. We believe in barakah, right? That's huge. Barakah and wealth, barakah and ilm, barakah and everything. So my beloved brothers and sisters, those who are listening online and on-site, barakah will come through consistency. So I ask myself, and I ask Allah to keep me consistent. I ask all of you to make dua for yourself. That, Ya Allah, I've started something simple and small. Allow me to be, con- allow me to be consistent. So here we are starting the tafsir of Surah Al-Kahf. I hope at the end of this session, at these series, it might be four or five months. Uh, the last one we did was 20 sessions, Surah Al-Ahzab. Right? So that was about, uh, you know, five months or more. So here we, have, we can expect the same or more for Surah Al-Kahf. Let us make niyyah at least that inshallah we will not miss a single session. Say inshallah. When at the end of this semester, whenever we ask, when we say, brothers, let's raise our hands, who has not missed a single session? We want to be able to see a large number of hands of brothers who says, alhamdulillah, and sisters say, alhamdulillah, I've never missed it. MashaAllah, when we graduated from Alam, Alam, the Alam program after seven years, they gave certificates and awards to students who had never missed a single day in the seven years. Not a single period in the seven years. Imagine all sorts of things happen in your life over a period of seven years. But subhanAllah, these individuals were consistent. Muran Abdul Hamid, the principal of Darul Uluma Zadvil, one of the great leading ulama of South Africa, he has a habit of doing tafsir after Salatul Fajr, seven minute tafsir. Like we here now have a, a seven or five minute tafsir after Salatul Maghrib, which was inspired by that same uh, practice that I had seen in South Africa. Seven minute tafsir after Salatul Fajr, every single day, seven days a week. 365 days a year. And subhanAllah, I happened to be studying there when they had their graduation of the tafsir class. They completed the entire Qur'an in 11 years. The entire Qur'an. And they actually, there was about 3,000 people there for the graduation. It was an amazing environment. And they actually handed out certificates and they honored, acknowledged the people who attended, uh, you know, consistently. And then there were many whose sons came and took the certificates because their fathers passed away in between. It's 11 years, subhanAllah. And their sons came and took it on behalf of their fathers. So what can consistency do? It's wondrous. And the lack of it, it also causes great harm. A person is 50 years old and he still hasn't achieved much in his life. Even though he has attended tens of programs. Why? Because never consistent. Started studying Arabic for one week, then leave it. Started studying fiqh for two weeks, then leave that. Starts attending a tafsir session for three weeks, then leave that. Now a person is in his 50s, he says, really, man, I haven't achieved anything. Why is that? It's because we're not consistent. Had we just taken one class a week, but have not given up for the past two decades, we'd have reached something, you know, ta- we'd have achieved something tangible. I don't want to, uh, you know, dispel or, you know, d- 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 you know uh, d- uh, demotivate anyone who says, oh, I can only come, I've only done this. No, I don't want to demotivate you. I want to motivate you to take it to the next level. Alhamdulillah, what you're doing is great. But let's make a niyyah. We're never going to be consistent if we don't regard this as important. Right? That's the issue. Why, why is it? Because it's, it's just an open majlis. No one's going to notice if I'm here or not here. I'll come one day, I will go not show up the next day. What difference does it make? That inconsistency translates to no value. We're not valuing what we're getting. And if you don't value what you're getting, why will Allah value your presence? Simple as that. If we value our presence here, because we value not me, but the majlis of ilm, the majlis of tafsir, the majlis of angels in the house of Allah Azza wa Jal, then you will see, you will achieve such gifts from Allah, they're mind-boggling. 
So the niyyah has to be made within ourselves. That, Ya Allah, I am a student of knowledge. I'm not just a random person who just, hey, drive-by student. No, I'm a student. I'm a Tuesday night class student. That's it. There's, you know, and I'm going to be here to my level best unless I'm traveling from out of town. I'm going to be here every single Tuesday. And, and when you make that niyyah, then Allah will make it easy for you to fulfill it. Last time I asked for Ahzab, we didn't see a single hand. Why is that? Because we never in our mind even made niyyah that we have to be here every week. So that's the that's a first step. First step is niyyah that I will never miss a class unless it is beyond my means. And then you ask Allah Azza wa Jal for istiqamah. And my dear friends, like we say at the beginning of every dars, when you come for dars of tafsir or you're listening online, those of you who are mashallah very punctual and listening online too, you begin the dars with this live, with this niyyah. Ya Allah, this is... Uh, I'm an abd and the person who's speaking is an abd. I'm a servant and the one who's speaking is a servant. You are our Lord, you are the Lord of the book, you are the Lord of all of us. Ya Allah, inspire the speaker to share those words that will be meaningful to me in my life. That will give answers to the questions I'm going through right now. That will remove doubts that I'm going through right now. That will become a source of inspiration for me so that I can overcome any type of emotional uh, difficulty, any type of spiritual difficulty I'm going through. Every single Tuesday, make this niyyah. And I want all of you right now to make this niyyah in your heart. Turn to Allah. Say, Ya Allah, allow us to hear what we need to hear. Allow us to hear that which will become a means of our islah, of our rectification. And allow us to find the answers that we're looking for. Right? And inshallah, tabarakahu wa ta'ala, that is exactly what will happen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min siyati a'malina. Man yahdihi allahu falamudilla lahu wa man yudhilhu falahadhiya lahu wa nashadu ala ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lahu wa nashadu anna sayyidana wa habibana wa maulana muhammadan abdu wa rasoolu. Amma ba'du faqad qala allahu subhanahu wa ta'ala fi al-Qur'an al-Majid. بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عواجا قيما لينذر بأسا شديدا من لدن ويبشر المؤمنين الذين يعملون الصالحات أن لهم أجرا حسنا ماكثين فيه أبدا وينذر الذين قالوا اتخذ الله ولدا All praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. The one who has sent down the heavenly book upon his servant Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And who did not appoint any crookedness to be part of it. Who did not appoint any crookedness to be part of the Qur'an. That's one, ex- one meaning. Or number two, it is, Allah is referring to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa That the Prophet sallallahu was protected from crookedness. Qayyima. This book, the book of Allah, is an upright guide. لِيُنذِرَ To forewarn the ungodly. This is understood. Allah is warning who? Who receives? Who is, need, who is in need of a warning? The disbelievers, the sinners. They are being warned of a mighty chastisement. Where is it going to come? It may not come in this world, but it will definitely come in the hereafter. And who is this chastisement coming from? From Allah Himself. وَيُبَشِّرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And the second reason why this Qur'an has been revealed. First reason, to warn people who need to be warned, forewarned. And number two, to give glad tidings of the everlasting delight in paradise. Who receives this, ever, who will receive this delight? The believers who do righteous deeds. And for them, there is an excellent reward awaiting there. Allah is calling it 
excellent. So imagine how excellent it will be. It's not going to be like the worldly enjoyments that come and last for a few minutes and are gone. Instead, they shall remain in there forever. And then Allah repeats this warning for a specific type of sinner. A specific type of sinner, the sinner who is committing shirk, who is ascribing a partner to Allah, who is ascribing a son to Allah. Moreover, Allah is warning. The Qur'an forewarns those who say, Allah has taken for Himself offspring. So this surah, my beloved brothers and sisters and dear listeners, is one of uh, my favorite surahs. And definitely uh, something that inshallah I pray Allah Azza wa will allow you and I to spend the rest of our life with. This is a really important surah. And I'm so happy that m- many of you or most of you actually, when I asked, um, uh, you know, what is your next surah? that you want to do, and majority of you ask for Surah Al-Kahf. And I'm happy, alhamdulillah, we're on the right track. The fact that we start realizing the importance of Surah Al-Kahf. I shared with my teachers, may Allah reward them and grant them long life and health and allow us to benefit from them. Some of the work that I'm involved in, in the programs I do when I'm traveling and so forth, alhamdulillah, they made lots of dua, we're very happy. And they reiterated, I mean, I've always told you that my teachers say, say that attach yourself to Surah Al-Kahf, but this was completely separate, another teacher who usually doesn't say that, he told me, he said, I want you to make sure you hold on to Surah Al-Kahf regularly. Read it every single day, and this will assist you in doing the work you're doing. Which is warning people from the fitan of today, that most people may completely be oblivious to. He says, Surah Al-Kahf will give you that light by which you will continue to be able to see right from wrong. We'll be able to see darkness from light. We'll be able to distinguish those things which majority are not able to distinguish with. This is not something specific for me. This is for all of us. So I'm passing on their message to you, of my asatidah, my teachers, that make a habit of reading Surah Al-Kahf, attaching yourself to Surah Al-Kahf, make it a focus of your study. Listen to this tafsir and all other tafsirs you have access to. Read the books that have been written on, on, uh, on Surah Al-Kahf. If you read Arabic or Urdu, you have so many resources available. If you have English as well, there are, you know, of course, Ma'arif al-Qur'an is there. Tafsir ibn Kathir is there. You know, Fi Dhilal al-Qur'an is there. There are a number of few tafsirs written by um, traditional ulama amongst, uh, 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 amongst our, our teachers and uh, from across the globe, from the different world, from the Arab world, from the South Asian world, who have written tafsir in English, or been translated rather from Arabic, and English into, uh, from Arabic to English, or Urdu into English, which you can have access to and read. But I'm saying Surah Al-Kahf should definitely be something that we, that we make a habit of reading regularly. I know a good number of us already recite it on Jum'ah. But we have to take it to the next notch, right? We got to take it to the next level. We have to not just read the first 10 and last 10, but we need to make a habit of reading the entire surah. And then it's not sufficient like that, right? We need to make a habit of reading it, believe it or not, regularly. When I mean regularly, what my teachers are asking us to do is every day. And you say, how am I supposed to do that every day? One of the best things, my beloved brothers and sisters, is you make niya right now. That on the process between now and Ramadan, we have a lot of time, six months. Rabiul Awal started, what, last Friday? First of Rabiul Awal. We have exactly six months from last Friday. So now, a little, you know, five months and 23 days or 25 days. It is definitely sufficient, I think so, for any one of us who even who is not very good at memorizing, to utilize the next five, six months to memorize Surah Al-Kahf. It's very possible. And you can do it along with the tafsir. 
that you memorize five lines a week, five ayats a week, six ayats a week. One of the brothers, right before I started my dars before Salat Isha, he sent me a message. And he said, I want to share my story. Maybe it will be an inspiration to others. That he says, I'm in my 50s and mid-50s. And I have been an average student all my life in academics. Not necessarily excelling, uh, uh, you know, in, in the various sciences. But he said, Alhamdulillah, with the mercy of Allah, Allah has allowed me to memorize Surah Al-Kahf. And inshallah, if, I have it, if I've been allowed to memorize it, I think everyone else can do so. So make, he says, this is an encouragement for everyone who has not done so to say, Bismillah, and make niyyah now. That inshallah, ta'ala, on this blessed day, right? Uh, that we are going to begin our journey of memorizing Surah Al-Kahf. Say inshallah, raise your hand, raise your hand and make niyyah. All of you at home also, who have not memorized it, make niyyah inshallah that you will join us in this journey. Take it? You will join us in this journey for the next five months. Our goal will be till next Ramadan. Make this resolution that if you have not memorized it, that you will. And those of you who are so blessed like myself, who have alhamdulillah already memorized it, now we, get, we have to do something. It's not like Achaba in my, I got no sabak now. Alhamdulillah, you've given sabak to everyone else who didn't memorize. I'm chutti, I'm nothing. Else. No, you have actually a bigger sabak. What is that? Recite it every day. Recite it every day. It will take you 15 minutes. It will take you 12 minutes. It will take you 20 minutes. Whatever it may be. But you are blessed. Ask the person next to you who is trying to memorize it. He'll say, my God, I wish we could switch. I wish I knew it. If I knew it, wallahi, I would not leave the masjid until I would have read it every single day. Now you already are blessed that you have memorized it. You're, the worthy, you're worthy of envy to so many people. So why not make this niyyah now that you, won't leave, you will not allow a day to go by without reading it. And inshallah, I promise you, within weeks you will message me to say, I've already started feeling the difference. Within days, you will start seeing the difference. If you make a habit of reading Surah Al-Kahf. I am, I am so happy, alhamdulillah, that there are many brothers uh, and possibly sisters as well who have told me that they've heard in these previous tafasir about the importance of reading Surah Al-Kahf daily. And alhamdulillah, they, haven't, they, they have started that for now years. For a year or two years, and they've made it a daily wird. Like we read Surah Yasin every day, alhamdulillah, they made a wird of reading Surah Al-Kahf every day. So let's all make this niyyah today. I make this niyyah for myself. I mean, all of you make this niyyah as well. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make this group of hundreds of people listening online, on site, and those who will listen later on. That may Allah inspire anyone and everyone who's listening to this talk that to be able to memorize it if he hasn't done so or she hasn't done so. And number two, to be able to recite it daily. Daily. My dear friends, you say this is challenging, right? What do you think? To save yourself from Dajjal is going to be a piece of cake. I ask you, for anything that you say is challenging, oh, this is hard, this is too hard. What are you thinking you're up against? What type of fitna? What type of enemy? Do you even recognize and realize where we're headed? If you're not willing to work, if you're not willing to excel, if you're not willing to push yourself, then, you know, we're in very bad shape. We are pretty much have written our own death sentence. Not the human physical death. That's not so bad. It was talking about the spiritual death. And when a person dies spiritually, you know he's headed to hellfire. So why... You know, put the nail in the coffin and say, I'm a sinner, but khalas, I'm not going to even attempt. We're all sinners. But just start with this. Even if you're not able to, if you're a hafid al-Quran, and you have a habit of listening to music, you have a habit of looking at haram, you have a habit of, of, of missing your prayers, you have a habit of giving back answers to your parents, you have a habit of using foul language, you have a habit of, you know, being impressed by materialistic things, have wrong value systems. No matter what those sins we may be involved in, just start with this. Just start with this. And say, Allah... I can't change overnight, but I can take one medicine. That's called what? Surah Al-Kahf. And I'm going to read this medicine, read this surah, with the niyyah that all of these evil thoughts that are in my mind, because that's what it is. 
our mindset has become shaitani. It all becomes, starts off with that. Why are people listening to haram, looking at haram, dressing in kuffar ways? Why? Because the mentality has changed. The view of life has changed. This is what we're struggling with. This is our jihad, is to change the way we think. It's not about just the way we dress or the way we eat or the way we sit. No. More fundamental than that is the way we think. That has become completely anti-Islamic. That has become against the Sharia. That has become against the ways of Rasulullah And that we are more impressed with the ways of others than the ways of Rasulullah How do we get that, you know, as we say, kira? How do we get that germ out of our brain? That is something we have to submit to Allah and beg, Ya Allah, through the barakah of Surah Al-Kahf, remove this virus from me. Because this is a virus. You know, when you see a certain type of haircut, when you see a certain type, a certain type of dressing, women or men that follow influencers, where is this coming from? You say, where? Our moms and dads never heard of this. Where is this style coming from? Where are these ideas coming from? And mom and dad are scared. Are saying, my son did this, my mother, my daughter did this. But we send him to madrasa, we send him to hif school, we send him to alam school, we send him to Sunday school, we send him to Islamic school. Where is he learning this? It's in the air. No matter where you send it, you cannot avoid this. It's in the air, it's in the water we drink in. This is the Dajjali era we're in. It changes the way you think. You can wear a turban, you can wear a niqab, you can wear gloves, you can wear a big tobe. But subhanAllah does not make you immune to this style of thinking. And that style of thinking is so dangerous that it, it will eventually come out. Eventually it manifests itself sometimes in a change of, of a hairstyle. It may manifest itself in change of the way we speak. It may manifest itself in the way we, we show our you know, non-appreciation or disinterest to dini gatherings. But then eventually this fikr or this wrong mentality and approach can lead all the way to kufr. And this is what we're scared about. This is exactly what worries me. Is the type of various types of isms that are, are on the rise on a daily basis. Ain al-mafar, where do we run to? There's no place that is safe anymore. There is no place. A brother messaged me, called me for a masala. Real story, a few weeks ago. I said, I answered his question. I said, where are you, where are you right now? He said, I'm in Turkey. I said, what? What are you doing in Turkey? And I know he's not a person who, is, who can afford vacations. I said, what are you doing in Turkey? He said, I, I, took, I, I, I ran to safety with my family. I said, what happened? My daughter who come with the Muslim school, whatnot, all these type of things. We raised her in a very beautiful conservative home. And now she has LGBTQ ideas. And she's now going towards that direction. We're so scared. We have no idea what to do. We packed up our bag overnight. We left the country. And we're sitting in Turkey. Now, obviously, she's creating such a big fuss and creating a big ruckus. We don't, I don't think we can stay here much longer. I said, bye, you're right. And this, like, this is real. I'm like, you really, going to a different country is not going to save you from this problem. I mean it. Because whatever fitna you have over here is exactly the fitna in the entire world. Internet is everywhere. Instagram is everywhere. Facebook is everywhere. YouTube is everywhere. Right? Reddit is everywhere. Those mentali that mentality is spreading like wildfire, not through uh, the, in, you know, the actual interactions that we have with humans. It's a virtual world. It's what we call Shabaka al-Alamiyya, the worldwide web. It's a reason it's called a web. Because it, 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 it catches you inside it. And you can't avoid it. You can't run away from it. It's a web. It's called a Shabaka. Shabaka means a web. These ideas are constantly being pushed down through popular culture, videos, music videos, and you give, uh, 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 video games, and things of that sort. And now you can think you want to run to Medina, you're going to save yourself. 
or a run to Turkey. I wish it was that easy. We'd say, Chalo, pack up a flight and go. No, we can't run away from this. I mean, I, I, I didn't joke, I didn't say this as a joke. I said it in reality, I told him, I said, you should have made hijrah to Darussalam. I said, because what you need is you need scholars and ulama who understand where she's coming from and to be able to address this issue. We have, alhamdulillah, medical experts within our community. We have psychologists within our community that we deal with on a regular basis. And then we have, mashallah, great ulama here who deal with this on a regular basis. This is what we need to do. We have to have an environment where our sons and daughters, if they are start slipping and falling, are not shunned away, are not told that, give, you know, you've really lost your mind, or you know, this or that, or are treated harshly, but instead they need to be dealt with in a very delicate manner. In a welcoming way, loving way, address this. It is infected now. You're gonna get, it's like, some, like Desi style. You know, he, got, he cut himself. Why you went to go cut this apple yourself, huh? And you slap in him because he cut his finger with an, while cutting an apple. Yeah, that's right. The little kid shouldn't have done that. But he's bleeding by right now. Now, this is not the time to be scolding him for cutting an apple. But that's our style. We do stuff like this. So now a person is getting mad. How dare you think of this? How can you be attracted to the same gender? How can you believe that? It's too late. You should have thought about this before. Right now, if you scream, if you get angry, he is going to jump off the bridge and it's over. You can't do that. You have to try your best to, you know, students who are like this or kids, I tell them it's like someone literally, this is the example, someone is dangling from the bridge and they say, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump. You get mad at him. What do you say? What do you want? What do you want? Just come, get off the bridge. We'll do anything and everything for you. Just you get off. Now you have to speak to him in the most nice manner, in the most kind manner, most supportive manner. Because right now, if you say the wrong thing, he will, it will, something will trigger in him and he'll jump. And we lose, the, we lose that boy or girl forever. So people who are on the verge of leaving Islam or who have completely unorthodox ideas, un-Islamic ideas, right? They have to be dealt in a very delicate manner. What this phone call was. SubhanAllah, it's from one of the most conservative, practicing, religious, loving, caring families I know of the entire area. This is... You know, of that area where, I, where that call came from. So I'm saying if that is the situation in one home, what, you know, what I'm speaking about is not some, you know, stray, weird situation. This fire is raging within all, our, all the homes. It's just a matter of time when it will come to my home or your home. May Allah will protect us. I'm serious. You know, people do not understand. If you were in my shoes, you would understand why I'm saying this, how severe a situation this is. This is the one who's going through this, he'll realize, Gosh, we had done this differently, we had done that differently, we had done this differently, and so forth. Sometimes it's too late. One of the ways of protecting ourselves is reading and analyzing Surah Al-Kahf. Allahu Akbar. Ayatul Kursi. If someone will say, Ayatul Kursi, if you recite it, it protects you from shaitan. We know this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever recites Ayatul Kursi after Salah, Fard Salah, then between him and Jannah is only death. Between him and Jannah is only that. As soon as he passes away, he'll go to paradise. Reading Ayatul Kursi. I'm sure almost all of you know Ayatul Kursi. But now we need to make sure we recite it after every salah. Between us and Jannah is just death. And then Nabi Alaihi beautiful story. Abu Hurairah was given the responsibility of guarding the wealth of zakat. And as he was guarding there, a person came to steal that money of sadaqah or zakat. Abu Hurairah told him, 
He picked them up. He said, hey, what are you doing here stealing this money? He said, no, please, please, let me go. I'm sorry, I won't come here again. I'm a poor man. I have a lot of kids, this, that, and so forth. He gave us some excuse and left. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, the next day Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu met him. He said, Ya Rasulullah, last night, this is what happened. I was sitting there, you told me to guard the wealth of sadaqah and zakat, and so, so such and such person came and said this. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam told him, uh, he will come back tomorrow. He's a big liar, he'll come back tomorrow. Next day, this person showed up again. I'm so sorry, I was, you know, I have poor kids and this, this, that, you know, please forgive me, I won't come back again. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam said, this guy will come back again. The third day he showed up again. Now Abu Hurairah said, that's it. I'm not going to let you go. Three, three strikes are out. He said, listen, I beg you, I beg you, I swear, I will never come back again. Just, he said, no, why should I? He said, okay, I'll give you something. He said, what is that? He said, I'll tell you something. And then you let me go. He said, you read Surah Ayatul Kursi before you go to bed. You will be protected from shaitan. Okay. This is something I'm telling you. Just let me go, please. So he, he left. Nabi Sallam was approached by Abu Hurairah the next day. He said, Ya Rasulullah, this is what happened. Nabi Sallam said, he's a liar. But what, what he just said was true. That was indeed shaitan himself who was coming. Every night that was shaitan. But he ended up in order to just... I imagine shaitan being scared of Abu Hurairah also. Think about that, subhanAllah. He's like, by John Shorten, I just I need to get out of here. So he just gave it to him. He said, Chalo, I'll give you one thing. I'll give you one thing. Ayatul Kursi Parlo, you can be safe from me. SubhanAllah. So how foolish it would be for you and I after listening to this to not make a habit of reading Ayatul Kursi after every salah and before we go to bed. And number two, to make sure every single member of our household does the same. The boys and the girls, the husband and the wife. Make sure you, everyone recites Ayatul Kursi. So Alhamdulillah, many of us have a habit. Now you say, what is the connection between Ayatul Kursi and fitna of, uh, of shaitan? We can get into the depth of that, but that, that thought doesn't even cross your mind. Ayatul Kursi by is powerful, that's it. It's powerful. Look at the translation. It's powerful. If Rasulullah told us that it protects us from shaitan, it does. If Rasulullah said it's our gateway to paradise, it does. Similarly is the answer for what? Kahaf. Okay, but what is the relationship between Kahaf and the fitna of Dajjal? The main answer is, Rasulullah said so, so it is. If Ayatul Kursi is such a small surah, it's been called the most powerful one. Imagine uh, a surah that has... Uh, you know, tens of ayats with so many beautiful stories. Why can I not protect you from Dajjal? And who is Dajjal? Dajjal is, at the end of the day, an agent of Iblis, Shaitan. He's still, he reports to Iblis. He's his power, most powerful general, but at the end of the day, he's still under Iblis. So that's the first answer. And the second answer of why Surah Al-Kahf is connected, what is, a, what is the reason why it's a means of protection from Dajjal, is inshallah what the next you know, five months, six months will answer. Is that this surah comprises of such stories that if a person understands and if a person ponders over, they will come to realize they will be able to differentiate between right and wrong, no matter what the era may be in. Allahu Akbar. Dajjal is such a big fitna that Nabi Wasallam said, no prophet has left this world without warning his nation from Dajjal. No prophet. Yani if we talk about Nabi Nuh, Nabi Idris, Nabi Ibrahim, Nabi Musa, Nabi Isa, Nabi Dawood, Nabi, Zab- Nabi Sulaiman. Yani those prophets who came thousands of years before Dajjal will come. Yet they're warning their nations that, you know, you better be afraid of this. Because it's just such a, such a big fitna. Forget about when it's going to come. We're just wa- warning you from it. 
That's how big of this fitna. Nabi is explaining to us that there is no fitna, no trial, no tribulation that was ever faced by the ummah. Ever faced by any ummah, not just the ummah of Rasulullah by any ummah that is more harsher, harder, and more difficult to pass than the test and the trial of Dajjal. So every single aspect of it is a test. Imagine if I say there's a really hard test. When I say there's a really, really hard test, then you can imagine that the questions are not going to be very straightforward. Yeah? The LSAT, the MCAT, what are these? Do they, most of them have multiple choice. A big section of it is multiple choice. But are they easy? No. Just because they're multiple choice doesn't make it easy. The questions are such trick questions. You really, really have to know your material to be able to answer it properly. So the, the aspect of Dajjal, what is Dajjal itself? Dajjal means uh, tamwi. It means, you know, a misrepresentation. It means uh, a camouflaging. Right? It means saying and seeing that which is not there. So the, the, the whole, every aspect of it, there's Dajjal. There is multiple levels of, uh, uh, multiple levels of test, you know, in it. So subhanAllah, the, so, uh, the test questions are not going to be straightforward if it's hard. Similarly, the solution to the fitna of Dajjal is also not going to be easy. It is through recitation of Surah Al-Kahf. But the one who Allah doesn't protect, you know what he'll say? What will he say? he said, say, Dajjal is nowhere mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf. So why would this be even, I think you were just wrong about this. This happened, real story. Not too far away from here, I gave a khutbah on Dajjal over a decade ago. And then right after my khutbah was over, when I was walking out of the masjid, an uncle came, mockingly comes and asks me, Acha bhai, Dajjal koon se surah mein maskur hai? Quran ki kisa ayat mein Dajjal, I knew he was mocking, right, this whole concept. He's like, which surah of the Quran is Dajjal mentioned? He said it in this very mocking manner. Because basically, he, re- he rejects the existence and the coming of Dajjal as a fitna. And subhanAllah, in my eyes, it was just so clear. There you go. There's a Quran says, you're not, don't worry about it, you're going to fall into fitna. You've already fallen into the fitna. Here you go, right there. If you say, where's Dajjal mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf, hence there's no Dajjal, you've already fallen. Dajjal's not here yet, but you've unfortunately already fallen into the pre-Dajjali fitna. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's Mulana Shabir Sahib, our Ustad, he asked us this question. How come Dajjal is not mentioned or where is it mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf? We went and searched and looked up for the answers. We shared it, you know, whatever we could. But this was the ultimate real answer he gave, which really sat well with us. Which is, um, what is that? If, Surah Al- if Dajjal's name was mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf clearly, then it would be too easy of an antidote. Too easy of an ilaj. The whole point is, do you have unbelievable level of f- faith in the unseen or no? That's the question. Do you believe in hadith or no? There's so many rejectors of hadith today. They're, they've already fallen to the fitna of Dajjal. Say, hey, there's no concept. You're, you're making us afraid of a boogeyman. You say Dajjal and the masjid fills up. This is just a way to you know, get people riled up. How many people today in our community say stuff like this? This is exactly what we're speaking about, the fitna. That many individuals find it you know, below their dignity, below their intellectual level to hear a talk on Dajjal. Say, nay, Yari, this is not for me. That's for those kids who are excited about things. Let them go listen to a talk on that. That's not for me. I've got a PhD, MD, JD, whatever, big, successful business owner. What do I have to listen to this about? 
That's the concept what I'm talking about how this Dajjal works. Every single aspect of it is Dajjal. Every single aspect of it is misrepresentation, is confusion. So now the solution is right there in front of you. The solution is right there in front of you, but a person is not seeing it. The solution is in front of you, but the, but the, the, uh, the people are not seeing it. And what's the solution? The solution is in Surah Al-Kahf. So did you make a note of that, what I just said? What is the reason? Uh, what is the reason that Surah Al-Kahf does not mention Surah is Dajjal? Is number one, is Allah Azza wa Jal says so. Allah Azza wa Jal says it, and Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that way, and so we're going to believe it, period. But besides that, what is the second reason? What's the second reason? Huh? It'll be easier. So this is to increase the test. This is to increase the test for all of us. This is to increase the test for all of us that if you don't believe in hadith, if you are going to use logic, you will never be able to get out of this mess. There you go, my friends. If you heard this point, you understood the maqsad of Surah Al-Kahf. You cannot become what we call aqal parast. Cannot become slaves of your intelligence. Cannot become slaves of your intellect. That's the problem. Everyone says, I'm smart. And I have a more smarter phone than myself. Why would I need hadith for guidance? Why do I need the ulama for guidance? Why do I need books and ilm for guidance? So the one who follows is aql. And of course the one who follows his hawa, his desires, most definitely will fall into the fitna of Dajjal. No one is saying don't read and don't be intelligent and whatnot. No. But in front of Allah, you cannot act intelligent. You cannot be a smart aleck in front of Allah. When the Quran says something, when the hadith says something, you say, Sami'na wa ta'na. I, I am going to show my smartness in the lab. I'm going to show my smartness in my business. But in front of Quran and hadith, I am the most humble, simple person you could have ever seen. I know nothing. And that's what the Quran wants you to acknowledge. La rayba fi. Thalik al-kitab, la rayba fi. And what does Surah Al-Baqarah start with? Alif Lam Meem. What is the meaning of it? You don't know. You don't know you have a PhD in Arabic sciences. No, I don't know. You have a, you have a PhD in, in something in history of the Quran. No, I don't know what it means. You have, you're a mufti for, and if that work for 20 years. I don't know what it means. Alif Lamim, Allahu a'lamu bimuradi bidalik. Allah knows best what it means. That is the humility and the humbleness that the Quran is demanding from us when we approach the Quran. And that is exactly what Surah Al-Kahf is teaching us through its stories. From the very get-go, it starts off as why Dajjal's name is not mentioned in there is the very first lesson. Right here, I gave it to you. The most important lesson. Learn how to put reins around your aql. Aql istimal karne ki jagah hai. There's a place to use your aql. Not everywhere you're supposed to use your aql. Huh? If you use your aql, if you don't, if you use aql everywhere, I mean it's a crude example, but it's a real example. What's the difference between a person's wife and a mother? What's the difference between a, mo- a person's wife and a sister or a daughter? From pure aql and from a pure logical perspective. Why can't a person get married to anyone then? So this is the thing. You cannot use aql in places where it doesn't belong to. It will have a very serious problem. They say, ظلم. What is ظلم? Oppression is To put something in a place where it doesn't belong is ظلم. Putting the handkerchief on my shoes, putting the shoe on my head, topi on the shoe, is ظلم. Similarly, putting an aql and intelligence where it doesn't belong is ظلم. Putting aql in front of Allah and in front of the commands of Allah is ظلم. And this is what the Dajjali fitna is about.
The Dajjali fitna is about that become worshippers of your nafs, hedonistic life. Do whatever you want to do. Just do it. And number two, you don't need revelation. You don't need God in your life because you're smart. Why would you need God? Mars We've reached Mars and you're talking about wearing a turban, wearing wiswak, praying sunnah before salatul duhr, you know, putting on itar when you come to the masjid. Come on. What was what, what this? I, if there's an opportunity to go to Mars, I'll go visit too. Right? Go to the moon, whatnot. You know, if it's quick, you know, as long as we can come back for class. <laughs> right? So, no problem. If we have to talk about the winter intensive at moon, if there's people there, inshallah, we'll go. We'll go, we'll go wherever we need to go. But why are you bringing that and making this a contradiction to following the deen? That is the Christian and other ways. Okay, religion and science don't match. For us, it matches perfectly well. You can be anywhere. We'll, we'll have a whole fiqh on how to perform salah in space, how to fast in space. Already, uh, ulama have written, believe it or not, on this topic. Seriously. They have already written, I've seen fatwas on this. How to pray and how to fast in space. Subhanallah. And it will continue to happen if it's meant to happen. But this type of obedience to the aql is what today's education teaches us. And we need to protect ourselves and our children from that. To say, son, I'm sending you to school to learn how to make money. That's what it is. But you will learn how to become a human through the deen. You become a man or a woman or a, a human through deen. You're not going to become a human by you going to university. Much less a Muslim. And you're not going to learn the ethics and the morals and the values at university and college. That you must be taught in the madrasa, in the home, in the masjid. So what, is, what are some of the virtues of this surah? Whoever memorizes, memorizes the word hafidah, memorizes 10 ayats from the beginning of Surah Al Kahf. And in riwayah of a Muslim, Sahih Muslim, min akhir al Kahf, from the end of Surah Al Kahf, they will be protected from the fitna of Dajjal. And another hadith the Prophet said, Man ayat min awwal al Kahf. Whoever recites the, very th the first three verses of Surah Al-Kahf, he will be protected from the fitna of Dajjal. So if we're going to start, I would say the first thing we should all do is memorization, first ten and last ten immediately. Once you finish with that sabaq and that lesson, then you move on from the beginning, after, from the eleventh verse. But the first thing we should do is the first ten verses and the last ten verses. This surah was revealed in Makkah al-Mukarramah and Nabi Alaihi named it Kahf. This surah was revealed after Surah Ghashiyah and before Surah Tushura. Okay? So we should know that the way the Quran is in order is not the way it was revealed. The Quran was revealed what we call Tanzil. Tanzil means the revelation of the Quran uh, based on the need over a period of 23 years. That's the beauty of the Quran. It wasn't that there's a funeral taking place and the Quran is being revealed about being happy. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is losing a family member and the Qur'an is speaking about, you know, about this or that. The Qur'an was on point whenever Rasulullah or the Sahaba needed to hear a message, that's when they received that revelation. That's why, my beloved brothers and sisters, no matter what type of emotional state you're going through, you will find the solution to that in the Qur'an. No matter what type of uh, uh, difficulties or happiness you're going through, how to handle that, the Qur'an will teach you. So that you don't become too haughty and too arrogant over your achievements. 
And so that you and I don't become too depressed and too down and anxious over our difficulties. Whichever situation of life you and I are, no matter what crossroads we're at, the Quran's got the answer. Because literally, the Quran, ulama, they call it kitabun hayyun. It is a book that is alive. It's interaction, tafa'ul. It's really, really alive. It's speaking to you. It was revealed to Rasulullah and to the Sahaba based on the specific circumstances that they were going through. Amazing. And so that's, this is called tanzil. To be revealed over 23 years, munajjaman in, in sections, in verses, surahs, as needed. And then inzal, inna anzalnahu fi laylatul qadr, is when the entire Qur'an, all of it was revealed on the night of Qadr, in one night, from the sacred Lawh al-Mahfuz, from, from the preserved tablet, to the first heaven. That took place overnight. But then from the first heaven to Rasulullah and thereby to the Sahaba, happened over a period of time. But when it came to the tartib, we say that tartib is tawqifi, that the Qur'an was revealed at its own different times, but the way it's in order, Surah Fatiha, Baqarah, Al-Imran, you know, Nisa, Ma'idah, etc., etc., all of this is something that the Sahaba received from Rasulullah The Kuttab al-Wahi, those who are writing the Wahi, they were inspired, they were taught by Rasulullah and the Sahaba were inspired, and, 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 and they laid it out in a manner that was chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is our belief. So Surah Al-Kahf was chosen to be right in the middle of the Qur'an. Although it was definitely not revealed in the middle. It was revealed in Mecca and it was revealed, I told you, before, after Surah Al-Ghashiyah in the 30th Juz. And before Surah Al-Shura in the 25th Juz. But it's placed in Surah Al-Kahf. And also, there is a letter in Surah Al-Kahf that marks exactly half of the Qur'an. I know many of us have the 13-liner Qur'an. It says, وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ There on the side. Was that, is that you who had asked me about that? Oh, someone had asked about what was written there. Right? So, وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ There you'll see some of the books have written that that is exactly halfway in, in the ta' or the ta. Others have, uh, you know, it's the way you count. Others have mentioned that that's not exactly where it is. It's instead towards the end of the 15th. لَقَدْ جِئْتَ شَيْئًا نُكْرَى The ta' of لَقَدْ جِئْتَ Subhanallah, look at the meticulousness of every single letter being counted from the Hamza of Alhamdulillah all the way till the scene of Nas. And to be, figure out, they, they, this is way before artificial intelligence and computers and whatnot. They have counted how many Hamzas they are, how many Hamza Wasal, how many Hamza Qat'i, right? how many scenes, how many sheens, how many dotted letters, how many non-dotted letters. I mean, it's amazing how the Qur'an has, Allah has used the Ummah to serve the Qur'an. Every aspect of the Qur'an, every aspect of the Qur'an, including the letters of the Qur'an, counting it to the minutest detail, it's amazing. There is a, there is a huge tafsir that we have in our library here, tafsir, Nazmud Durar fi Tanasubil Ayati Suwar, it's about 30 volumes. And it's Nazmud Durar, Durar is uh, uh, pearls. Nazm means to be able to place the pearls beautifully, the way in Nazm. Nazm, a poem, is called a poem because each of these stanzas and these beautiful words are chosen by the poet appropriately and placed there. You can, you can mix it around. So similarly, Nazm al-Durar is a tafsir that talks about putting the, putting the pearls in order. What, what are the pearls referring to? The Qur'anic verses and surahs. Fi tanasu bil ayati wa surah In the connection, Nazm al-Durar, 
placement of the pearls with regards to the placement of the surahs and the placement of each verse. So, this 30-volume tafsir of Allama Bukhari rahimahumullah details the connection between every single verse with the next one. Every single verse. verse. Why is it here? Why is the next verse there? Why didn't that come, you know, 30 verses later? It's amazing, right? How much ilm Allah has given this ummah. Allah has, uh, is the, the teacher and Allah is through Rasulullah some barakah gave our ulama this ilm and they have written it. It's waiting for us to read. Waiting for us to go and, you know, you know, subhanAllah, at least make ziyara. My brothers and sisters, come visit the library. You know, our satiza, they used to use the word, that we need to do the ziyarat of the books. We need to do the He said, the way you come visit mashayikh and ulama, hmm? Sheikh Afandi, damat barakatuhum, in Turkey, one of, the most, the most, one of the most senior ulama of the entire world, right? SubhanAllah, he's got thousands and thousands and thousands of students. I think he performed Umrah. Uh, you can see it on YouTube, uh, five, six, uh, maybe 10 years ago. I think there's about, if I'm not mistaken, 50,000 people. 50,000 people. It's crazy. SubhanAllah, the whole masjid, the Nabawi, is just his students. It's an amazing sight. So, alhamdulillah, we had a, the opportunity to go visit uh, him when we visited with our students to Turkey a few years back. And uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. They said, uh, you know, it's not easy at all. Allah made it easy, alhamdulillah, through, you know, my teachers and whatnot. I was able to uh, go and visit. And they had, uh, we climbed, they said, you know, this is, we don't allow anyone because certain your teacher called, Fulan, Fulan will make this ar arrangement. We had no idea how, how this meeting is going to take place. But we went in and literally, he's in his, like, in late 90s, 100 years old probably. He was just sitting on a chair with a shawl, with his tasbih, just sitting there quietly in a room. And they have this thick glass wall. Literally, you just come and you stand in front of the, you stand in front of the wall and just make ziyarah. He's alive, of course, alhamdulillah. He's sitting there doing things. You just sit and look at him. Just a few minutes. Ziyarah. This is what it is. You make ziyarah because he's so sick. They don't want him to be able to meet with people and get more sick and things of that sort. But people from far and wide try to come, you know, and, and see him and visit him. May Allah Azza grant him long life and health and allow him, allow the ummah to continue to benefit from the, those who are, you know, in his status. So, this is called ziyarah of ulama. When you go for uh, sightseeing, how many of us have said, Chalo, boys, girls, let's go sightseeing of, you know, dini institutions. How about go sightseeing of madrasas? How about we go sightseeing of ulama? Right? This is part of the Islamic tourism. That you go see scholars, that you go see institutions of knowledge. They go look in Spain and those who are alive, you don't go see them. Those masajid and madrasas that are full, you don't go see them. You want to go to, a, to Spain and you want to go to other places, this was the history over there. I'm not saying don't go there, but benefit from that. This I, learned, I also learned from my teachers. One day, I was sitting in front of Mullah Muhammad Dudat Sahab. Adam Allah Alina, may Allah give him a long life, one of my teachers, but he was, you know, very frank. So he said something, uh, he, said a, he said a story of one of, I think, Mufti Mahmud al Hassan. And then he said, Did you ever meet him? And I, I literally missed him by maybe uh, a year or a couple years, maybe three, four years. He's buried in South Africa. He's a, he was the Mufti of Darul Ulum Deoband for 50 years, right? One of the great ulama. He, got, he buried where he's passed away in South Africa while on a visit. And he, his wasiya was that he should be buried amongst children. So literally, Alhamdulillah, I had a chance to go visit his grave. He is buried in the section of the Muslim graveyard amongst the children. You know, newborns who die, he, they, that's where he's buried. 
He said, on the day of judgment, so I can be raised amongst the masoom. I can be raised amongst the innocent children. Allah will have mercy on me if all the 50 around me are all sinless, two-month-old, one-month-old, one-year-old kids. Allah will hopefully will say, if you're amongst 40 who are forgiven, how am I going to put you somewhere else? Inshallah, you go with them. Allahu Akbar. The person who is the mufti for 50 years of the most notable institution of the entire Southeast Asia, what is he? He say, I want to die and be buried amongst the children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us also to be granted a beautiful death and a beautiful resting place. A death of martyrdom in the city of Madinatul Munawwara and a, a place to be rested amongst the children and the sahaba of Jannatul Baqir. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanallah. So I, he said, did you meet him? I said, no. But afsos, you know, I just made it very apparent. So now Mufti Sahib, he can't see something wrong. He'll just, you know, he right there and there, he corrects. Are bhai, jo zinda hai, unse fayda nahi uthare, bas... Immediately he got me. He said, You were sitting there making afsos and showing, ex- expressing your sadness over those who passed away, but your teachers in front of you, how much are you benefiting from them? On point. Another occasion with Mullah Muhammad, I talked, he was asking about some scholar, did you meet him? Asking the class, I said, No. I was making afsos, high afsos. How many of us make this afsos? Hi, I wish I was there. I wish I met so and so. I met so and so. So I said, I wish I met so and so. And he said, listen, what beautiful advice, man. He said, instead of sitting there crying over that you don't have, benefit from you have, your example is like the one who is at night, crying over the fact that there's no sun, but refuses to turn on the light. Refuses to switch on the light and use the light to get his work done. And he's crying that there's no sun here. Of course there's no sun now, you're in the night. But we have a replacement. Although it's not as bright as the sun, but it does the job. That's called your lantern, your lamp, your light. So he says, benefit from those ulama that are still alive before they will also be taken away. And you'll, have, you'll be in complete darkness. So what we were speaking about, I said, the way you're supposed to make ziyara of scholars, you should also go make ziyara of? Huh? Where did, libraries, books, there you go. So I want you to go next time. You're more than welcome to come visit the library, brothers and sisters, you can make an appointment, come. And you go say, Nadmud Durar was mentioned, where is that? Right? I want, whatever books you hear, but just go check the tafsir section and see, okay, what did these ulama... Pick it up. You might not read, be able to read a single line of Arabic. No problem. But just pick it up and appreciate what ulama have done for the Qur'an and how Allah Azza wa has protected every single aspect of this Qur'an. Inshallah, there'll be barakah in that as well. There'll be barakah in that. Mulana Yunus Palampuri, uh, the son of uh, Mulana Umar Palampuri, who has Ajka Sabak. All the women who are listening online probably know Ajka Sabak. Right? And the men too, some of us, listen to Ajka Sabak. It's a daily uh, lesson he records in sense. I heard this story from him. Very famous scholar. Alhamdulillah alive and, and well and, and benefiting people. I heard this story from him live. He mentioned that he, in California, he was traveling in Jamaat some long time ago. And then after that, he happened to come to California again into a certain masjid. And he, when he arrived in that masjid, he remembered that that masjid, there was a convert who used to be present in that masjid. So he asked, where is that convert brother? So and so. They said, oh, you from last time? He said, yeah, from last time. He said, oh, he passed. He passed away. But now, Nasab, now that you mentioned, we want to share some story about him. So what is his story? He said, his story was that uh, he was an elderly person who accepted Islam. But he could not read Quran. He could not learn how to recite Quran in Arabic. He was maybe in his 60s, convert. It was very hard for him to learn the Qur'an in Arabic. But he did not give up. 
every single day, he was still attached to the Quran. Khair, when he passed away, this is the community members are telling Mawlana Yunus, that when he passed away, we buried him. For a very long time, we smelled fragrance coming from the soil of his grave. Here in California. And so we knew, Definitely he's got a status with Allah. This is not normal. To smell this beautiful fragrance coming out of the grave. So we went and went to his house, to his widow, and we asked her, can you please tell us about so-and-so marhum? There's something most definitely he was doing because of which Allah gave him the status. This is a miracle that rarely happens. What did he do? She said, my husband, simple man, after Salatul Fajr, he would come home and he would pick up the Mus'haf and the Qur'an. And although he could not read Arabic, he would still pick up a Qur'an in Arabic and he would put his finger on it and he would take it from one side to the other and he said, Oh Allah, I believe in this. Oh Allah, I believe in this. Oh Allah, I believe in this. He said this was his habit that page after page, few minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however long, he would sit there and read in his own manner the Qur'an. Simply saying, Ya Allah, I'm too old to learn the Arabic language. I wish I could, but I will tell you what I can say is that I believe in every single word of this. Allahu Akbar. SubhanAllah, how much hope there is with Allah Azza wa Jal. No matter how old we are, no, how, no matter how far behind we may feel, I don't think there's anyone sitting here listening to me who's in that state. But you never know. If you, if you are sincere in your relationship with Allah, Allah will give you a status that even the, the, the most well-known people will be envious of you on the Day of Judgment. So it starts off with talab. Go show your humility and humbleness to Allah. That I'm jahil, ya Allah. I have every degree outside there, but in front of the Quran, I know nothing. I'm just going to sit there and pick up these books and kiss them. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to envy those. When I was studying in Darulum Zakaria, I remember once uh, we had this Tunisian businessman who happened to walking through the madrasa. And I was in my lunch break or I, you know, we had some break, I was outside, I saw them. I said, well, where you guys came from? They were, they were foreigners, definitely we didn't have that many outsiders coming. Meaning the madrasa was full of foreigners, but not outsiders, it was away from the city. So people who are not connected to the madrasa are rarely seen there. So I obviously realized there were guests. I introduced myself as, how can I be of any help? They said, no, we came here for uh, a, f- uh, a fair, date fair, you know, dates and stuff like that out in Johannesburg. And they were just, they were flabbergasted by the environment of the Dar al-Ulum. They had never seen anything like this. 25-acre campus filled with students. It was, they were just like, wow. And they were obviously very wealthy people too. So now they were like, oh, can we do something? How can we donate? This, that, they were asking me. I'm like, okay. So I took them for a tour. And then... I still remember this scene. The, 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 the students had just finished eating lunch. And they were all coming out of the mess hall, the dining hall, lunch. And you know, they were, had their, uh, they washed their hands, but the kids, they got their curry kichiri and the dal chawal, whatever, all that stuff, makinis, uh, you know, yak, uh, you know da, uh, the various spices and things like that, still on their hands. So now he stood outside the lunch area where they were coming out of the hall, and he wanted to stand there and greet them, this big businessman. Wearing this expensive suit and whatnot. And I was like, no, no, please, you know, don't shake hands. You just say salam. You know, these kids, they're little kids, they're hips kids, they just came. They washed out, they just ate, alhamdulillah, they didn't wash their hands properly. <laughs> and I remember seeing, man, the humility in this person that I'm nobody. And if this hips kid, if I just get the leftover salam from his hands, that's barakah for me. Because that's the closest I'm gonna get to the Quran right now. And it was such a powerful image from, you know, 18, 20 years ago, I'm telling you. That I remember that, subhanAllah, literally there are people outside 
and anyone who is in this crowd who might not be a student of the Qur'an, but I promise you the dedication and the love you have for the people of the Qur'an and for the books of Allah and for the scholars, that may end up getting you way ahead of them, the students themselves. That may, get, that may get you way ahead of the ulama themselves. It comes down to respect and love from the heart. So we need to, inshallah, ta'ala, ask Allah to grant us this same connection with the Qur'an the way our salaf had. So every single verse, as we were talking about, is placed in the most appropriate place. We will go through the three ayats that we spoke about, inshallah, ta'ala, and then uh, for today. One of the tafsirs that I will be um, um, reading through, and I, I encourage you to definitely, um, you know, if you have already registered, that's why I was asking you, please, on YouTube as well, kindly please register so we have your phone number and your email so that I can send resources to you, right? I would love to send links of talks, PDFs of books, um, uh, uh, and, and anything else that I've, I've come across. And if, you sh- if you, any of you have got something you want to add, share with me and I'll share with the class. So definitely, if you're listening online right now, or if you're listening here in sight, definitely do register, please, so that we can uh, uh, share this connection. I'm sorry, share, share materials with all of you. So I was saying there's a book written by Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali al-Nadawi, rahimahumullah. One of the groundbreaking books, I think so. Okay? And it's something I want all of you to benefit. It has been translated in... Um, English as well. It's called Faith versus Materialism. Inshallah, soon all of you are going to know the name of the book. Okay? It's called Faith versus Materialism. And in Urdu, it's called Qurani Ifadat. I have the PDF in Urdu, I have the PDF in English, I have the PDF in Arabic. This is an 80 page book that you can find online. It's called uh, faith versus materialism by Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali al Nadawi. It's a very dense read. It's 80 pages, but it has what 8,000 pages may not have. And it is, you know, I wish I could do justice throughout my whole 20 or however many sessions we have on just taking what from that book. Short but super dense. He will tell you that why the Quran, why Surah Al Kahf is the most important surah right now. Why Surah Al-Kahf is the most important surah right now for all of us to be focusing on. He wrote this book probably about 40 years ago. At least. At least 40 years ago. But now in 2021, post-COVID, the height, uh, you know, increased uh, everything that we're going through, this book is even much more relevant. And it will continue, its relevancy will continue to increase, inshallah, tabarakah wa ta'ala. If we benefit, I mean, I'm, inshallah, I'm trying to say that, inshallah, we benefit from it. Uh, so he will talk about the fact that this surah is divided into four stories. The story of the people of the cave. Number two, the story of the people of the two gardens. Number three, the story of Musa and Khadr. And lastly, the story of Dhul Qarnayn. Okay, so these four stories combine together is what gives you the khulasa and the gist of this surah. And the, each of these stories represents something different. Each of these stories represents something different. So you have the fitna of kingdom. Fitna of powerful people. Fitna of kings. This is fitna of ruling class. Fitna of government. Yes. 
This is in the story of the people of the cave. The next fitna is a fitna of wealth. This is exemplified in the story of the people of the two gardens. The next fitna is a fitna of knowledge. Having the wrong knowledge and missing out on the right knowledge. Missing out on the right knowledge and having the wrong knowledge. Fitna of knowledge. This is the story of Musa and Khadr. And lastly is the fitna of asbab and means. Amazon Prime is one of the most powerful fitnas of today. I have it. We all have it probably. But what I'm trying to say, what I mean by that, that means creates within you this level of, man, I don't need any God in my life. I can get, I can get whatever I want in the next in, in the five hours. Astaghfirullah. So when the people get, when you get engrossed with means, you stop thinking that you need Allah Azza wa Jal. So this is called the fitna of means. Did you get that? Four stories. Fitna of governments and kings. Number two, fitna of wealth. Number three, fitna of knowledge. And number four, fitna of means. So all praise belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. The one who was sent down. My dear brothers, praise is, is the most important thing that we need to understand that who are we benefiting from. We are all benefiting. Kuffar and Muslims all are benefiting. But the disbeliever attributes success to himself or to his educational system or to the country he lives in. We attribute our success only and solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Although Allah may have made our education a means. Allah may have made our parents a means. Allah may have made the country we live in a means. But the actual one worthy of all praise is none other than Allah. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alhamdulillah. Allah doesn't say, praise Allah. Allah doesn't say, I'm asking you to praise me. Allah didn't say, they praise in the past tense. He didn't say, Ahmad, Ahmadillah. He didn't say, Ahmadu. He didn't say, Hamidu. He didn't say, Tahmadun. He says, Alhamdulillah. This is what we call Jumla Khabariya, not Jumla Insha'iya. It is a nominal sentence that informs us that guess what? Whether you like it or not, you accept it or not, you believe it or not, all praise belongs to Allah. Mannai ni mannai. Doesn't make a difference. Haqiqat yehi hai. The reality is that all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever you praise anyone, the actual person who's, worried, who's getting that praise is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It only belongs to Allah. Okay, five surahs have begun with, Allah subhanahu, with, the, with this ayah. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah. Surah Fatiha. Alright, number two, Surah Al-An'am, which is the seventh surah of the Quran. Number three, Surah Al-Kahf. Number four, Surah Saba. And number five, Surah Fatir. Five surahs. Begin with Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, the first one, you are thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Him being your Rabb, your caretaker, nourisher, provider. The second one is Surah Fatir, no, Surah An'am. You thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's created the heavens and the earth. Okay? The third is Surah Al-Kahf, right in between. Think about that, right in between. There's five surahs that begin with Alhamdulillah. Surah Al-Kahf is once again right in between. This is you're praising Allah for revealing the Quran. Number four, Saba begins, Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah to, to whom belongs whatever's in the heavens and whatever's in the earth. Number five, Surah Fatir begins with, Alhamdulillah, Fatir al-Samawat, all praise belongs to Allah, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Allahu Akbar, I read one of the ulama said something so beautiful. He said that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the creation of the heavens and the earth, the creation of day and night. Can you imagine a world without day and night? Can you imagine a world without heavens and the earth? There is no world. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, just like Allah is worthy of praise for that, equivalently He is worthy of praise that He sent down the Qur'an. Meaning, زمین و آسمان کا پیدا کرنا جتنی بڑی نعمت ہے اسی درجے کی نعمت یا اس سے بڑھ در اس کے اس سے بڑھ کر نعمت قرآن کا اتارنا ہے the revelation of the Quran is a greater blessing than the creation of the heavens and the earth my dear brothers and sisters let's look at surah al-rahman al-rahman what's the next ayah علم القرآن then خلق الانسان Allah عز و جل he says rahman out of the mercy of me what did I do to you Quran, I taught you Quran. Then he mentions created a human being. Meaning the creation of a human being is a secondary blessing. And the first blessing is the fact that you are a Muslim and you have received the Quran. What, 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 what else bigger than that? Yani, can there, we might be thinking of the fact that we're alive, there could be no better, bigger blessing. Ni'matul ijad. There could be any, could there be any blessing greater than being created? Well, guess what? Yes, there is. And the blessing is that you have Qur'an. You say, how is that? Because guess what? If you are created and you are not given the Qur'an or you didn't follow the Qur'an, then wallahi, you are not being created would be an infinite number of times better than being created and not having Qur'an in your life. The fact that we have Qur'an in our life and we're reciting it here tonight and every day is a blessing that far supersedes the creation of the heavens and the earth. So Allah Azza wa Jal created a manual before He created the machine. If you want to understand it like that. That this machine, they say something beautiful, Lama say that the bigger the machine, the greater the benefit and the greater the harm if it's used inappropriately. So if I have a fork that I use inappropriately, the harm of it is gonna be limited. If I have a knife, the benefit is great, I can cut greater things, but then the harm of it if it's used inappropriately is greater. Take that to the next step and the next step. Now you've got a bulldozer, a caterpillar bulldozer, huge one, excavator. It can do unbelievable level of benefit which you can never do with a knife or with a small pickaxe or with a, a spoon, <laughs> right? Trying to dig up something. But at the same token, on the other side of this, if this bulldozer is used in an improper manner, then the harm, the death, and the havoc that this bulldozer can create is unmatched. Is that right? So there is no bigger bulldozer, no bigger machine than the human being. That if this human being comes right, then the benefit he will give to the entire creation, including the fish in the sea, the angels, the plants, the earth, will be unmatched. And unfortunately, with the same token, on the flip side of it, if this human being does not have Qur'an in his life, Wallahi al-Azim, the harm that we'll bring on this earth is unparalleled. No dinosaur, no whale, no jinn can bring that level of havoc on earth the way this human being can do so. And that is what we see today. Man has lost his bearings. Look at the pollution. Look at where global warming is going. Look at where, how many animals are being extinct. Look at the pollution in the seas. Subhanallah. Deforestation. Right? Plastic in the sea. What type of horrible way we are dealing with the earth? Who did this? We as a human race. When the human race does not have deen, when the human race does not have connection and the Quran in there, then this is like not a bulldozer. Something way beyond that. Because we create bulldozers. Right? So we're way beyond that. That needs to come. So we understand now the importance of having Qur'an in life. No point of it is crookedness. You know when you have an introduction to a book, what's written in the beginning of the book? I'm so, you know, if any mistakes are made, ajib. <laughs> Either we mean it or we're saying it because everyone else says it. Either we mean it. If any mistakes are made, kindly please overlook my mistakes and contact the publisher so we can correct it in the next edition. Or we're just saying it, faking it, or saying, oh, bye. you know, we don't mean it. But just to get our books sold, we'll say, oh, you know, please forgive us if there's anything wrong. Quran, 
there's no shame. There is nothing wrong in here. There is no phone number to call to say, oh, there's some mistakes in the addition here. There's no say, oh, you know what? I found a, you know, a, a punctuation mistake. I found a grammatical mistake. I found some contradiction. There is none, my friend. There's something wrong with your brain if you saw that. Right? Go see a doctor. There's nothing wrong in the Quran. That's what the Quran is unapologetically telling us. There is no crookedness in it. Sorry. There's nothing wrong with your eyes. There's nothing wrong with the Quran. That's what the Quran is saying. There is no crookedness. Only a king can say this. Subhanallah. Is there anyone in the world who can ever say that? That my, you can all come together and try to bring something similar to this, you will not be able to do so. Look at the challenge of Allah. Allah says, Fatu bi surah. Chalo, ek surah likrao. Fatu bi mithli. Bring something similar to the Quran. Then Allah says, Walau kana ba'wuhum li 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 come together and you become one big army and work together to bring a Qur'an similar to this, I guarantee you will never be able to do so. Now, now we we'll stop there. Allah says, if, if, if a fly were to come and to take away some food that is in the mouth of your fake idol God, the idol will not be able to even, will not be able to even take it back from that fly. That's how... Meaning, what a weak worshipper and what a weak worshipped. What a weak idolater and what a weak idol. So this is the challenge of the Qur'an from 14, 1500 years and beyond. Bring it on, bring it on. And no one can bring it. No one can bring it. And so today for a, for a person who feels that I've gone to college and I took a philosophy of religions class and now I'm enlightened and I feel not I can, Allah forbid, come up with something that is a challenge of the Qur'an, my dear brothers. So sad, right? What is that? This is just shaitaniyat. There's nothing. It's not like he's enlightened. There's no way he's enlightened. It's just like a person who says, I've got a way to see the sun in the night. It's there. You just all don't see it. We'll say, go forward and take him to a psychiatrist. What is he saying? You're all wrong. I can see it. You just need to have my glasses to be able to see it. So similarly, the one who finds fault in the Qur'an is as a fool as that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, the purpose of it, it is upright. Okay, the purpose of it is two things. Number one, to warn the disbelievers and to give glad tidings to the, to the believers. Sometimes something is sometimes something is straight, but you need, when at, at closer inter, inspection, you realize it's not straight. Hey? You sometimes need, you think it's straight, but then you need a meter. You need a, some type of device to figure out whether the tile is actually laid out flat. Whether the carpet is exactly straight, whether the beams are straight, that's why we'll get one of those, you know, meters. That's why the Quran added emphasis. It's not just Allah did not put any crookedness. Qayyima, it's I'm telling you, it's upright. You see, this is an added layer of emphasis to say there is absolutely no crookedness. One one of the ulama he mentioned something beautiful. He said, We know that a straight line is the quickest way to get from point A to point B. Similarly, the quickest way to get from here to Jannah is the Quran. Because the Qur'an is Siratul Mustaqeem. It's a straight line. It's a straight line. Number two, the Quran, another, another way to understand this Siratul Mustaqeem and straight line point. That we live in a world where we are all interdependent. The doctor is independent of the engineer. The engineer is dependent of the lawyer. The lawyer is dependent of the landscaper. The landscaper is dependent of the cook and so forth. So it's like traffic on the street. You have all sorts of cars that are going back and forth, right and left in all directions. If you do not have traffic signals, 
and you do not have traffic rules, you're gonna have most definitely accidents upon accidents. And if you have bends, roads are always bending, without any traffic signal and rules of, 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 of the road, most definitely it will lead to accidents and death. So we live in a world where there are competing uh, needs and, and uh, comp uh, competing desires and interdependability, interdependence amongst, amongst ourselves. If we do not have the Qur'an, which is the traffic law, then most definitely we're gonna have a huge clash. That is why is a husband and wife fighting today? Why is a mother fighting with her son, son fighting with a dad? Why is the business partner fighting with each other? Why? Simple reason, zindagi mein Qur'an nahi hai. Qur'an is not in the life. If Qur'an is in the life, then these type of interactions will become much more beautiful and enjoyable. They're not, we're not meant to be leading a life as an uphill battle, fighting with everyone. Right? We will learn how to handle that through the barakah of the Qur'an. Last, hadith, uh, last ayah, مَا كَثِينَ فِيهِ أَبَدًا Therein they shall remain forever. That the benefits of dunya, no matter how of an amazing vacation any of us are going for, it's gonna last for one week. And that's it. But if it lasts more than a week, you also yourself get parishan. At least that's what happens to me. Uh, that's why we have gharki chai over here for all of you in tafsir. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, nice cooked. I told the brothers, let's use evaporated milk. They said, nah, we, the way we drink at home is the way we gotta serve here. So they wanna have ilechi. I said, price of ilechi have gone up. No, 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 fine. We need to serve just like that. I said, okay, alhamdulillah. May Allah reward our team of volunteers or students. May Allah bless them. May Allah put barakah in there. Tomorrow they have exams. This next couple weeks also they have a lot of exams. May Allah put barakah in their ilm and their amal. Allow them to outdo their expectations that the teachers have, the parents have, and they have for themselves. Allow them to, to be, remain shining stars for generations to come. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. So, <laughs> dunya is short lived, the enjoyment. The Quran says, for akhirah, makatina fi abada, you'll remain there forever. Dunya, if you do some beneficial thing, the reward of it is also going to be temporary because you did a temporary good. You're working, pay. You're going to get hundred dollars an hour. For, you'll get it as long as you work. After you stop working, why would you get it? Akhirah is not like that. It's there forever, forever. Now, someone may say that uh, uh, you know, uh, man, I get tired in vacations after some time. But Allah clearly mentions that in the Quran that they, yani, wa People of paradise will never, you know, people will never be asked to leave whether in Jannah or Jahannam. And similarly, the people in Jannah, they will always be getting new things. Never get bored. Continuous tanawa, continuous change. So that they continuously enjoy their stay in, in paradise. We ask Allah to allow us all to become worthy of His mercy, whereby we would be allowed to enter into Jannah. Um, uh, and this actually I translated this as well moreover Allah forewarns those who say Allah has taken himself an offspring so basically assigning a son to Allah is a bigger sin than the normal sin so that's why that's been mentioned separately so our take home lesson for all of us inshallah is to be able to uh, start memorizing inshallah don't, don't say oh we did four ayats so we just do four ayats because there may be sometimes we'll definitely like the, when I get to the story of the cave we're going to have long ayats and I'll have to do multiple long ayats I might do a page or two so we should pace ourselves, that we should, inshallah, uh, you know, uh, pace ourselves to do like three, four lines a day. I would like actually one person to help us, who is, who, someone who is going to be memorizing the Qur'an, and memorizing Surah Al-Kahf, to become the coordinator for this. And that way we can come up with the lines per week, and we can have a systematic way of tracking that. Who would like to become coordinator? Raise your hand. Anyone here who would like to become coordinator of the memorization of Surah Al-Kahf? Huh? Umar? Inshallah. Okay. But can I ask why you, the rest of you are scared? You said, no one's going to take your imtihan. I said, become coordinator. It doesn't take anything. You just calculate how many verses are done and figure out, how, divide it per week. And then inshallah, we can have a, 
uh, you know, we all have a nafs. I have a nafs, you have a nafs. We have shaitan and nafs together. That's going to continuously make, try to bog us down. How many of you made again to memorize Surah Al-Kahf? Can I see a show of hands? Sachi niyat. Raise your hand high. Sachi niyat. That you have pakka niyat. All right. Alhamdulillah. Okay, so now we're going to do it. This is not just batin, right? Just talk, talk, and know it. No, we need action. We need action. So that's why, inshallah, we'll, Umar will come up with the, the daily, uh, the weekly goals for it. We'll share it. And what we'll do is we can have a tracker, right? So all of us can continue to track our own progress. Inshallah, we'll come up with some intuitive way of, to see where we, you know, where we are and how the rest are. Inshallah, they'll keep us motivated to see how many others are also, uh, you know, uh, doing it. And if anyone would like, anytime you have any suggestions, comments, most definitely share it with us. We'll, we want to make this as beneficial and enjoyable for all of us. I have a couple announcements before we end. Um, uh, one is, alhamdulillah, we're going to be starting a new program. After a, a, a restarting a new program. And I'm very, very excited. After a long time, we've been, it's in the works. And that is going to be a Friday night. Friday nights at Darussalam with our teachers. So uh, m- many of us have been asking to benefit from the Asatid of Darussalam. We have an amazing group of talented ulama that most of us who are not seminary students are unaware of. And they have immense amounts of knowledge to share with the community. So inshallah, Friday nights, we'll be starting a program where scholars of our seminary by rotation will be inshallah on various different topics or different books they'll be covering. And we'll be starting off next Friday night, not this one, I mean October, what is that, 22? Inshallah, with Mufti bin Hajj, inshallah, and he will be starting a dars, a once a month dars on Sahih al-Bukhari. So this will be an amazing opportunity for non-seminary students and non-seventh year students to be able to actually benefit from the most famous book and the most authentic book after the book of Allah. We have the book of Allah on Tuesday nights and we have the, the book of the most authentic book after that on Friday nights. So that will be something that inshallah I'm sure you will all benefit and enjoy from. And uh, so that's going to be starting on October 2022 20, uh, inshallah. Additionally, uh, November 11th and 12th is going to be our annual Sira conference. Brothers and sisters from different parts of the city. Ya Allah have driven from far and wide, and, and many who are listening online. All the hundreds of people, Ya Allah, you have brought together on this on this weeknight, Ya Allah, who have come together out of your love. O Allah, out of a desire to protect themselves from the fitan. O Allah, nothing besides the love for you, the love for the Quran, and the fear of your anger, and the fear of the fitan of today have brought these brothers and sisters together. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant them what they are hoping for, and grant them all of us protection from what we are scared of. Ya Allah, we ask you to make every single one of us who are sitting here listening to be, allow us to become steadfast in this dars. Oh Allah, please remove all obstacles from our steadfastness. Remove all obstacles from our steadfastness. Grant us conviction and yaqeen in the Quran. Grant us conviction and yaqeen in the hadith of the Prophet Oh Allah, those who may need to memorize. Oh Allah, make it easy. Make it easy. وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنِ Quran. Oh indeed, you have said the Quran has been made easy for taking heed from. Allow it easy for all of us to not only take heed from Surah Al-Kahf, but to allow us to all to memorize it. And oh Allah, those who have memorized it, allow us all to become reciters of it daily, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, Ya Allah. 
Allah, indeed the one who you make it easy for, it becomes easy for him. O Allah, make it easy for all of us to become reciters of Surah Al-Kahf. O Allah, make us lifelong students of Surah Al-Kahf, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to protect our young youngsters and our adults from falling into the trials and fitan of today. O Allah, please, Ya Allah, save the young minds and the innocent minds from falling prey, Ya Allah, to all the various new isms out there, Ya Allah. O Allah, allow all of the young youngsters and the adults to be able to differentiate between right and wrong. Grant us the nur of iman. Grant us the nur of iman to be able to see in this days of darkness, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to grant acceptance and qubulia to all of those who made effort to invite people today for this program, for tonight's tafsir. O Allah, many students made lots and lots of effort to personally invite people. O Allah, and personally, Ya Allah, make dua for the success of this. O Allah, we ask you to grant all of them, those who had any share in organizing tonight's program. O Allah, and those who made the PowerPoint slides, those who made the chai, those who made anything and everything. Ya Allah, grant them the full ajr of this, uh, this tafsir. And O Allah, grant all of us qubuliyya and ikhlas. Grant the speaker ikhlas. Grant the listeners ikhlas. O Allah, O Allah, we ask you, Allah, to make this a sadaqa jariyah for our parents and our teachers, Ya Allah. O Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs any one of us have, fulfill our permissible desires and needs. Whatever issues any one of us is going through, allow us to be able to get shifa for our physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional problems and allow us to find solutions to problems through the barakah of the Quran. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati ya ma'asifoon. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.